Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. If you have a child who's under five, you might be wondering if they've become the invisible citizens of Australia. Now that the vaccine has been rolled out for children five and over, they remain the last in our population to be protected from the coronavirus. But is this something to be concerned about? And where are we at with vaccinating this age group? Dr. Anthea Rhodes is a paediatrician at the Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne. Hi, Anthea. How are you? Hi, Siobhan. I'm well, thank you. We've been told throughout this pandemic that children are less likely to get seriously ill from the various strains of the coronavirus that we've seen so far. Does this remain true? So fortunately, yes, it remains the case that even with the Omicron variant, which is now the dominant variant that we're seeing across Australia when it comes to coronavirus, those young children, so children under five, and in particular very young children, so those under one year of age, are less likely to get serious infection than older kids, teenagers or adults. What about those children who have underlying health conditions? So children with underlying health conditions are a different sort of situation and they are at increased risk when compared to other kids. In particular, underlying conditions like developmental disabilities, children who might have cerebral palsy, for example, or a severe seizure disorder, children with problems with their immune system, so immunodeficiencies, obviously things like cancers, but other more rare conditions as well. Severe asthma, so typical asthma is not a a reason to be concerned, but more severe asthma where children might have admissions to hospital frequently. They are at increased risk when it comes to COVID. And obesity as well, which is less common in young children, fortunately, but has certainly been seen as a big risk factor in older kids and teenagers. And what can parents do if they have a child with underlying health conditions? Because at the moment, it just seems like we're, everyone's just waiting to get it. If they haven't already had it, they're just waiting for it to happen. And it does feel like, I think, for those parents, they just want to wrap their kids up in a bit of a bubble and, you know, keep them safe from all that risk. And actually, some of that is okay. So limiting exposure to at-risk situations remains a really important part of how to keep children safe and particularly young children who are not yet able to be vaccinated but are at increased risk, so have those underlying health conditions that we've just talked about. The way to protect those kids, the first and most important thing that parents can do is vaccinate everyone around that child, so any older kids in the family, any adults in in the family, adults in your broader circle who might be involved in caring for those children, having all of them up to date with their vaccine. So that means two doses and a booster, you know, for teenagers and adults. That's a really important way to provide a bubble of protection around those younger children. And then it's all the other practical things too, wherever possible, that help to reduce spread. So thinking about social distancing, thinking about keeping some of those um, catch-ups or interactions to places where ventilation is good, outside, wherever possible, where it's practical and um, other people are involved with your kids, having them wear a mask, making sure everyone is attending to personal hygiene as much as you can, all of those factors will make a difference. Do you have any information on where the vaccine is at for the under fives? 
Yeah, so trials are underway and in, in the first large clinical trials that were conducted by Pfizer across a number of countries, a large um, proportion of those um, children enrolled were in the US, they found that the initial doses that they'd given to children in the under five bracket, particularly those aged between two and five years of age, were not high enough to necessarily make a significant enough difference to say that that vaccine worked well enough for children to have the doses that they've tested. Importantly, there were no safety concerns at all, so the doses looked very safe in children. But the dose that was trialled at two doses that were given um, eight weeks apart didn't look like it was effective enough to be worth having. So they've moved into a, a next phase of that trial, adding a third dose which is actually very common in a lot of the childhood vaccines that we um, have on our current regular schedule. Many of them have three doses. So what it looks like at the moment is that the addition of a third dose as part of the standard regime is hopefully going to be the pathway forward to a safe and effective um, vaccination schedule for young children. But the timing of it certainly looks like it will be well into this year, 2022, you know, at least middle of the year before we would see um, that there was enough data there for us to be really confident that it's safe and it works well enough for our children to have it. Have you got any advice for parents who may disagree about giving a vaccine to this particular age group when it, when it actually does become available? So it's really common for parents to have questions and concerns when it comes to vaccinating their kids. And we've seen this a lot, you know, in the context of COVID vaccines, but even the regular vaccination schedule as well. You know, parents have questions and understandably, they don't want to be giving their child any sort of treatment if they don't think it's safe. Uh, that's the leading concern. And secondly, if they don't think it's worthwhile, you know, or effective enough for their child to, to actually have it. So the information I would say for those parents is that when we have the data back that shows us really clearly that it is safe enough and effective enough for a child of this age group to have the vaccine, that's when we would expect to see the recommendations actually happening, the approvals appropriately here in Australia with the TAGI and the TGA. And then at the Royal Children's Hospital, you know, we would follow that then and endorse that recommendation. But at the moment, for parents, we don't have enough information. So we're not in a position yet to say, you know, we know this vaccine works and that it's definitely safe. We're waiting for those data really to come through. Moving on to the older children where it has been approved for them to be vaccinated, it's clear that most children between 5 and 12 going back to school will only have received one jab, one vaccination before they start. How well does one jab protect kids from the virus? Yeah, so we're just learning how well it works with Omicron. A lot of the data that was collected obviously related to Delta and Alpha strains before that. But it suggests at this stage that even one dose in children will protect them a significant amount from getting seriously unwell, which is actually you know, the main goal of the vaccine. And then a secondary goal is actually to reduce their chance of catching it and subsequently their chances of passing it on. So at this stage, it does look like there's reasonable effectiveness from the vaccine, even in the early data coming through with Omicron. But we're yet to have lots of information there for us to really have, um, you know, hard numbers. What's really important as well for us when we're considering vaccination for children in this age group 
is also the concept of what is coming ahead. We know that Omicron won't be the last variant when it comes to COVID. We don't know what the next season and change will bring, but it's increasingly um, we're learning that it's very unlikely that people will have COVID or have a vaccine and then they'll get immunity forever. What's much more likely to be the case is that we continue to build and top up our immunity, if you like, through a combination of perhaps catching COVID and having some natural immunity, adding to that vaccination, adding to that further vaccination with boosters, and that all of those things collectively will help an individual to have the immunity they need to actually prevent them from becoming seriously unwell with the next exposure to the virus. So for parents thinking perhaps, well, my child's already had COVID, maybe they're wondering whether or not the vaccine is worthwhile for their child at the moment, our recommendation would definitely be that the best situation their child can be in is to have that combination of um, a vaccination even if they haven't, even if they have already had COVID, to add to their natural immunity, and then those things together will build a picture for their body to enable them to combat whatever might come next. So, what about those parents who might currently have a child who's COVID positive? I, I can't quite get my head around how you meant to make a child isolate in the home. Is it a given that parents are just going to need to be there for their child when they're sick? Absolutely. I think really, particularly if we're talking about younger children, it's really not practical at all. And I'm sure Siobhan, having had, you know, kids yourselves are getting a little bit older now. And I've got four kids. My youngest is only just over one. And there is not a practical way to isolate from young children as a parent. So it's reasonable to make sure you do have good hygiene. But the reality is with Omicron variant particularly and just how transmissible it is, so how contagious it is between um, people, that it's very likely that if one person in the household has it, a child, then it, it will probably affect others in the household as well. So my advice to parents would be not to get caught up or stressed about the idea of separating from their child or trying to isolate within the household. I think instead be reassured that if you're vaccinated yourself, you're very unlikely to get seriously unwell. And being there to support your child through what should be in most cases really a pretty mild illness, very similar to other sorts of respiratory infections they've probably had before, um, and keeping everyone as well as you can and supported and safe and sane through that process is what they should be focusing on. And look, I'm not sure if you can respond to this, but um, I'm going to ask anyway, because I know it's something that's causing great confusion for parents at the moment, is the inability to get one's hands on an RAT um, if you have a sick child that's displaying all the symptoms of the coronavirus, the current strain, um, what should you do if you don't have an RAT because you just haven't been able to find it? Do you take them to a PCR testing place? Do you just run the gauntlet and say, well, st- we're just going to self-isolate because we think it's coronavirus? I mean, what, what should we be doing? Yeah, look, it's a really difficult situation and it's different from family to family and state to state across Australia and, you know, everyone's situation is a bit unique. But it's unfortunate that we do have such a shortage of rapid antigen tests. What's most important here really is to remember that if your child is unwell, 
and you think they need healthcare because they're unwell, regardless of whether that is COVID or anything else, then the first thing to be aware of as a parent is that you should seek medical care for your child if you're concerned about how unwell they are. So if you're comfortable that they're not particularly sick, but they've got some symptoms that might make you think all this could be COVID. In that instance, you need to be isolating for that child and as a family, ideally, to actually prevent the spread. At the moment, with the burden on the system around um, having swabs and PCR testing for a symptomatic child, it may be worthwhile not going and queuing for that. It depends on the demand in your local area and what your government current sort of government recommendations are but rather keeping at home if you can't get a rapid antigen test well that's just the way it is staying home isolating whilst symptomatic until your child is well the risk there is that you'll never quite know whether or not they did in fact have coronavirus and does that matter if your child goes on to become unwell in a few weeks after that illness there's a very small chance they might have complication from coronavirus, which is an, uh, a multi-system inflammatory condition. In that instance, there are other ways for us to test and determine whether a child has had COVID in the past. They can look for antibodies. So it's not critical that you know from that initial illness whether or not they had COVID. The other reason people might want to know is because you can then feel a bit like, well, we've had it and at least we're probably going to have some immunity for a while. It won't be forever. There's still We're seeing now across the world that people are catching COVID, different strains of COVID, more than once. Um, there are some individuals who are thought now to have perhaps had it three times over the duration of the pandemic. So it doesn't mean that you're a set and forget anyway. It would mean that you're probably good to go for the next couple of months. Um, so that information is important and helpful for other reasons. So it's a, a difficult one. It has to be a bit of a case-by-case situation for families now. If PCR testing is available to you, then ideally, yes, you should take your symptomatic child and find out uh, whether or not they have COVID. If you can get rapid antigen tests, then that's the way to do it as an alternative. Anthea, thank you so much for your time today. My absolute pleasure, Siobhan. Take care. Look after yourselves. I think to parents out there, go gently. It's a stressful time. We're all doing our best. Look after each other. There's better times ahead. (laughs) Thanks, Anthea. That's Dr Anthea Rhodes, paediatrician at the Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne. I'm Siobhan Hunt. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us so we can reach and help even more parents. And if you have a topic you'd like me to cover, send your email to feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.